Hello listeners, on this show we're going to look at Crossing the Jordan, the new guru, Jordan Peterson, little tongue-in-cheek look, and also my latest attempt to win the lottery with a little bit of magic, so stay tuned. So come on, that theme music was kind of funky. So, all right, crossing the Jordan. In this case, Jordan Peterson, where it's not too often a new guru pops up. Tony Robbins assures us he isn't one on Netflix. Eckhart Tolle seems to have been around for donkey's years. There's currently a bit of buzz about this guy. Where better to start than him being interviewed on Muscle Brand's podcast? which is called Under the Skin. After a painful 2002 advert read by himself for condoms, Russell gets underway. Apparently, Jordan has been labelled anti-PC and alt-right, part of the intellectual dark web. He's Canadian, like all the best people, but unfortunately he's a psychologist. Everyone knows psychiatrists are the coolest. Things quickly move on to Jung and archetypes. That guy Jung just keeps popping up like an archetype. Likewise stories, the hero's journey threads its way through the chat. Jordan's own gaze into the abyss came when he got into big trouble in Canada with his university where he worked as a professor. It was all about neutral nouns for transgender people being pushed on people by the government. Jordan saw it as a freedom of speech matter and says he gets supportive messages from transgender people who do not want to be poster boys for the radical left and all be mashed together as a group. Jordan seems to have great faith in research, which, especially in the field of psychology, I don't personally, had me forced to study it, full of small samples, bias if not made up entirely, and then overgeneralized conclusions. Russell starts to get nervous when Jordan questions the pay gap, sacred cow of feminism. It's good that Russell tends to argue with guests, though, and not toady to them, although his own belief system does seem quite entrenched. And indeed, he soon brings up his belief in God, which I do find quite endearing. The impression strongly comes across Jordan is keen on capitalism in contrast to Russell's socialism and materialism against his spirituality. To me, Jordan spoke in a dry way, but I've never been keen on lectures. His is more philosophy of follow your blisters than follow your bliss. Russell then reads out an advert for underwear, 
almost as cringe as the condom one. Russell speaks of kindness and compassion. Jordan preferred to talk about the judgy Jesus of the book of Revelation. Jordan pointed out that he has in fact saved many people from the extremes of the right. He does feel left-wing systems tend to fail, promote just as much inequality, and often lefties simply hate the rich, and the individual should be strengthened. In contrast, Russell feels individualism failed for him. He certainly gave it a good try though, right? Finally, there's a discussion of the positive female archetype, which should confuse any feminists listening, if there are any, considering who's discussing it, although Russell is genuinely now a reformed character. All quite polite, nothing too amazing, so time to go deeper, as Jordan has written a very popular self-help book, 12 Rules for Life and Antidote to Chaos. The forward is by Norman Doidge, a Canadian psychiatrist, so that's good. And he states that rules are good to prevent us from being slaves to our passions and animal instincts. Perish the thought. And you chance to be a fine thing. On meeting Jordan, he found his speech to be unedited, that he liked a good argument and that his suggestions were very practical for everyday life. He found Jordan's home to be full of paintings from the communists' heyday. He explained as a reminder against extremism and mentions a far earlier book of Jordan's Maps of Meaning, a warning against ideologies. He found Jordan to be a great public speaker, evidenced by over 100 million YouTube hits, and that many are craving structure within the vacuum of moral relativism. It's a long forward, folks. Jordan states the book began when he was answering people's questions on the website Quora. His list of rules became popular there. He expressed pursuit of happiness isn't enough, but one should be building character in the face of suffering. Hmm, that's cheerful. He approves of the way of the Tao, living on the borderline between order and chaos. Sounds like a normal Monday morning to me. A dream convinced him that the individual is at the centre and suffering and transformation must be accepted at that cross, taking full responsibility. The individual should live properly so we can collectively flourish. The first chapter begins with the social customs of lobsters as a parallel to those in human beings, high serotonin being a shortcut to success. There is much about so-called natural selection, in my view, making too many assumptions on the theories of evolution. It's a potential long-turning. We might be in a simulation. Just ask Elon Musk. He feels an ancient part of you is measuring your social status and awarding you serotonin accordingly. Mess up and you could end up in crisis mode, stressed and reckless. Jordan feels routines such as eating and sleeping schedules are crucial. This includes eating a breakfast high in protein and fat. Agreed in principle, my breakfast being a cup of coffee or seven in harsh reality. Then talk of positive feedback loops where the initial problem leads to circumstances that keep momentum spiraling down in the wrong direction. Jordan recommends saying no to oppression as early as possible, not to be naive as other people are often genuinely malevolent and realising you have the capacity to be dangerous yourself, rather than be weak and resentful. Pussy. So he says, walk tall, stand up straight with your shoulders back to keep the serotonin flowing. 
I agree. High serotonin and power poses rock. The next chapter is all about the merits of order over chaos. By a roundabout route, he sees order as being male and chaos female. Yin and Yang with the way of the Tao being how to negotiate your way through with a foot on either side of the border. Hmm. Women rejecting and shaming men is mentioned a couple of times. Any issues there, Jordan? He goes into the Adam and Eve story at great length, looking for meaning. Good luck with that. The end point is explaining why people hate themselves a bit and don't look after themselves properly. He suggests moving forward assertively with a meaning, even if that is to steer away from ending in your own personal hell. And quotes Friedrich Nietzsche, He whose life has a why can bear almost any how. His outcome here is to treat yourself as if you are someone you are responsible for helping. Next, friends and choosing the right ones. His dislike of nihilism and teenage parties is revealed. He was relieved to then move with what he saw as a better crowd who were organised and more productive. (sighs) Stoned people and those not reaching their potential are especially bad. He would definitely have been Freddy on Scooby-Doo and not Shaggy. He feels bad friend choices can be due to low self-esteem and a self-destructive repetition compulsion or a desire to rescue a victim. He questions the motives for this, but I think goes too far with what could be an excuse not to show compassion to those who need it, assuming they had just chosen the easier path. He wonders if you'd recommend the friendship of certain friends to others you care about. He feels friends should be prepared to confront each other with the aim of moving upwards together. Next is not comparing yourself with others, but working constructively with any critical inner voice. He slates people festering resentment and self-deceit. He suggests starting by actions to at least make the day and in time your life a tiny bit better than the day before. He sees virtue in discipline and even dogma, so long as there is vision too, that it should be all in pursuit of the highest good. Bringing up children is next with neglect and lack of discipline the main pitfalls. It is in the nature of them to become monsters otherwise. I'm with Jordan on that one and his contempt for Sesame Street's Elmo. He suggests limiting the number of rules that threat and punishment are needed as well as reward and positive attention, but with minimum necessary force, which may range from time out to restraint to more physical, ideally with two parents with a view to gaining social sophistication. I think it is invaluable to know how to behave socially. But then feel free to be subversive. I was beginning to sense an undercurrent that all of this might be to get the peasants to behave. So the 1% who are mainly wealthy, quite undeservedly, won't have to be troubled by them too much. Just my take. I can imagine Jordan and his wife sitting in a harvester, tutting at others' naughty children, and Jordan eventually getting up and hurling one into the salad cart. The next chapter looks at people in adversity taking responsibility for it and working to positively change where possible. Solzenstein, or something like that, is mentioned like about a billion times. Another nod to Jordan's loathing of communist systems. 
He advises us to clean up our own lives, to start stopping what we know to be wrong before criticizing the world. Next rule is sacrifice now to gain later. Successful people delay gratification. He contrasts the actions of Cain with the sacrifices made by Jesus and Jesus resisting temptation in the desert, being prepared to face ultimate evil. Even though that probably never happened. Jordan is sympathetic to the benefits early Christianity brought to society and sees the alternative of nihilism leading to fascism and communism. Perhaps Russell Brand misjudged him in feeling he wasn't a member of the God Squad. I wonder, now I'm reading the book, if Russell himself had done so himself before the interview. Naughty. Jordan suggests to explore what our intrinsic values are rather than try to force an outside ideology on them. He feels it's essential to recognise the reality of suffering and human evil, to aim to alleviate pain and suffering. Acting properly brings maximal meaning. I have to say, he does wax very eloquently when discussing meaning. Nothing like the dry character on the podcast. Next is Don't Lie. Jordan had realised as a psychology student that almost everything he was saying was untrue. Like most psychologists then, only joking, maybe. He got far more respect when he started telling the truth. Lies can include life lies, living a fantasy with all the filtering out of reality and avoidance. Lies warp the structure of being and corrupt the soul. Telling the truth means paying attention to what you're saying and will lead to conflict, but a payoff in the long run. Or get your smack in the chops. The next chapter is about listening to and learning from others. He sings the praises of psychotherapy. I'd agree that any type of therapy can be helpful if it's with a wise and compassionate person, but for the theories of some of the psychoanalysts subscribe to, a bit wacky to say the least. Jordan says proof Freud was a genius is that people still hate him. People still hate Hitler though, Jordan. Freud's is not the way Jordan relates to his clients though, which is more conversational with a dash of Carl Rogers. He was a nice guy in psychoanalysis. The listening is crucial, he says. Assume the person might know something you don't. There follows a chapter on precision in speech, which seems to be a lengthy discourse on a marriage breaking up and the couple's preferred worlds collapsing. The implication being that precise and careful speech could have helped. Say what you mean, admit what you want. I think that would lead to most couples breaking up far sooner personally. But then, that might be for the best. Look, I'm just pulling out a few points from each chapter, as I'm sure Jordan wouldn't appreciate it if his whole book were reproduced, and then nobody wanted to buy it. But each chapter is illustrated by anecdotes from his earlier life, which make them a bit more interesting and human, as well as copious references to religious stories and mythologies, often referencing the underworld and chaos. The next chapter was a mix of Jordan's favourite causes about people not letting boys become men, people becoming anti-human and making themselves judges of the human race. The example is given of people who seem delighted at the prospect of the population being called for ecological reasons. Hint, Prince Philip. He's somewhat controversially stating the system is becoming stat against boys flourishing academically and that career success for women is affecting the chance of a long-term relationship is contentious. 
He argues against the view of an oppressive patriarchy and then switches back to what seems a favourite topic, the atrocities of communist regimes based on ideology. I don't know what kind of Russian wound Jordan up in his childhood. There is a return to the problems faced and caused by agreeable, compassionate and empathetic people and smothering mothers. He champions men being tough again. The bro code, fight club, iron man, Nelson the belief in the Simpsons being a good thing, men pushing themselves and pushing each other. The final chapter looks at limitations, suffering, his daughter's ordeals with arthritis and patting cats with the moral being to keep looking for the good in being. It all ends with a coda, where Jordan decides what to write with his gift of a pen of light and decides on setting himself the hardest questions to answer later, which he does, much in line with the preceding philosophy, with quite a religious flavour. On Quora, ironically, a person asks if Jordan is actually a Christian, as apparently he has previously said that he is, but it is felt that he doesn't actually have any orthodox Christian beliefs. It does explain the huge amount of religious talk in the book, I suppose. So, like most books, a few good or even sometimes great bits, some waffle and occasional contradiction. I could have done without all the biblical stuff, but there's nothing here to serve of Jordan either being hated or hero-worshipped as far as I can see. If you do want to hear more from Jordan without my carping, his YouTube channel is linked to on my Astral Projects blog, on the Crossing the Jordan page. So check it out. Now, as a little bonus, a little bit of lottery information. I'd done something like seven utterly crazy methods to try and win the lottery through magic and manifestation some time ago. But something came up that made me think, let's have another go. To be honest, the last time was the serial cornflakes genie so that was probably a good place to end but i did that backward speech thing a few podcasts back and that's got me going again i just about had to save the cornflakes genie from my daughter with autism who was trying to eat her at the weekend it's okay she's safe anyway whatever the source of the backwards voices were in my recent back chat post One of them said, see you number four. So it seemed rude not to give another go. Surfing the net, I came across a booklet called The New Golden Key, or a wonderful secret process for winning the lottery. You have to think immediately, like, would that person need to publish the book? Because wouldn't they have won the lottery and just live off the money? Anyway, let's put that one aside. Maybe they're just a very generous person. Based on an 1810 book, The Golden Key, a book that only has four pages. Four, okay. And it states the number four, yep, four is the key. And is the indicator for good fortune. Fortune, get it. Hello, the method for a 59-number lottery, like the UK National Lottery, is to wait for a four to be drawn. A quick check reveal, this had happened on Saturday 7th of April 2018, which is now. You can check that out on https slash slash www.lottery.co.uk slash lotto slash results slash past. Oddly, there hadn't been a four drawn since the 2nd of December 2017 before that. After the indicator number four has been drawn, a certain group of numbers which all reduced to three, four, five or eight 
are all more likely to be drawn over the next five draws. Unless a four is drawn and then the five draw cycle then begins again. So the numbers to look out for are 3, 12, 21, 34, 13, 22, 31, 45, 14, 23, 32, 41, 58, 17, 26, 35, 44 and 53. In the two draws since the one with the four, 21, 32 and 40 have already been drawn. This leaves another three draws. So for Wednesday, which is now tomorrow, I'm going to pick 12, 30, 13, 5, 50 and 8. Mrs. Hobson, help me out. Oh, okay, that's got to be enough nonsense for now, right? Catch you next time. Thank <laughs> you.